We are currently in the liturgical season called Epiphany. It's that season that runs from January 6th till whenever Ash Wednesday decides to hit in the coming year. This year, that is the last week of February. And so this season kind of is long some years, and a little bit shorter other years. But no matter how long or how short the season is, it's all about one thing. Revelation of who Jesus is. By definition, epiphany means revelation. Or to put it a little bit more dramatically to where I think it really goes in this context, I borrow from Oprah Winfrey, it's that aha moment in our lives when suddenly something becomes crystal clear. And in this case, epiphany is that aha moment when our relationship with God becomes crystal clear and all those things we learn through Sunday school or have been told by our parents and grandparents somehow becomes real for us. And now we know, without a shadow of the doubt, that God is truly with us and part of our lives. That is what this season is about, is discovering those revelations of Christ in our daily life. And so this week, we take a little bit of a pause from our reading through Matthew and go to John. And basically what we have between last week's gospel, which is the story of Jesus' baptism at the River Jordan, and this week is kind of what Paul Harvey used to call the rest of the story. Because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, after Jesus is baptized, basically send him straight out into the desert. Well, that doesn't come until Ash Wednesday for us. John doesn't actually tell the story of the baptism. He tells the story after the fact. John has witnessed the baptism. And so we don't get a direct accounting of the story from the writer. But we get John the baptizer's account or testimonial of what he saw and experienced when Jesus came to the River Jordan. And then he proclaims who Jesus is, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world, the one who will baptize not with water, but the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, there is sort of a passing of the baton between John the Baptist as prophet and to Jesus as the anointed one. And John gives us that sense of what's going on because his followers begin to leave John and begin to follow Jesus. What I also like about this morning's account is how John's followers move from John to Jesus with that rather bizarre conversation. Because what you get is this sense of Jesus kind of walking a path back to wherever his camp was. 
and these two men kind of following behind him. In the modern vernacular of our kids, I think they would say they were actually stalking him. That's what the picture sounds like. They're stalking him, and Jesus turns around and says, what are you looking for? And they say, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? Which really makes me uncomfortable. And then Jesus says, come and see. In that response, Jesus isn't going to tell them where he is staying, who he is. He doesn't confirm what John the Baptist has told them. He is saying, come and see for yourself what you have been told. And so they go, and they see. I suspect they saw a campground or a campsite. But they also experienced firsthand the incarnation. But their journey doesn't end there. Because during this time of Epiphany, when it's about receiving the revelation of God, when we come to Easter, the tagline becomes not come and see, but go and tell. John the Baptist saw, experienced the anointed one at the River Jordan. He didn't have to come and see like his disciples. But what does he do? He goes and tells and bears witness to the anointed one, the Messiah. That, in a nutshell, is the story of our walk with Jesus. We are called, each and every one of us, to come and see the risen Lord, to open our hearts to experience the living Christ in our life in the same way that Paul of Tarsus experiences the living Christ on the road to Damascus, to open ourselves up, to allow ourselves to see and believe. And then we are to go and bear witness to what we experienced. Now I'm going to bring up a really naughty word for Episcopalians. And Lil can't wait for it. <laughs> it's called evangelism. It is the E word of the Episcopal Church that we don't like to talk about because as Episcopalians we say, oh, it's so distasteful to talk about our religion in public. But as baptized Christians, we are called to proclaim the good news of God in Christ. Same thing. But it's not about telling somebody about Jesus and saying, if you don't believe, you're going straight to hell. That doesn't win souls. That's not how the disciples discovered and decided to follow Jesus. Evangelism isn't about spouting scripture quotes. Evangelism is sharing your story and bearing testimony 
to how you have experienced the living Christ in your life and how that has somehow transformed you. We all have a story to tell. And when we understand those experiences and how they hold power and the ability to transform others, we become much more comfortable with it. I think back to six years ago when I invited this skinny, hyper young man named Josh, who many of you have met, to give his first homily at St. Luke's. And it's just about six years ago this week that he gave it. His words were powerful. Not because he articulated theology well, which he did, or a clear understanding of the gospel. But where his words became powerful was when he shared with the congregation his time of struggle with God and coming to terms with his sexuality. And after going through a couple of years of loathing himself, of experiencing rejection because of who he is and how God had made him, he had that experience in his prayer when he told the church how he had prayed to God to fix him until God finally said to him in his prayers, I don't have to fix you. I love you just as I have made you. When I read that story as he was preparing to give his homily, I said, Josh, hold on to that story because that is your story. That is your call story to becoming the priest that you hope to be, which will take place in June. That is a story that holds power, that tells the world what the world wants to hear. You are loved. And because you are loved, others are loved by God as well. When the congregation heard those words, there was a hush. And to my surprise, the power of that story, as many came up to me afterwards and said, how I wished my brother, my sister, my son, my daughter had heard that, because maybe that would have made their lives different, because they too either were or are gay. Our experience of the living Christ holds power. It is what offers us the opportunity to say, aha, and understand how the Holy Spirit is living and active in this world. And when we identify and understand those stories, we are able to bear witness to the greatest gift of love that this world has to offer, God through Christ. And when we offer that to each other and to the stranger, it has power, power enough to stop a young man from loathing himself, power enough to change other lives. And it all happens one conversation at a time, 
For behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, the Messiah, the Anointed One, is among us. Amen.